and welcome to Living In, With, and For Christ, a podcast dedicated to looking at all things around us from a Christian perspective, seeking to give glory to Christ in any and every situation. Today, Pastor Brian and myself will be discussing the second part of practical ways to cultivate the peace and hope of Christ in our lives. Welcome to the show. Today, Pastor Brian and I, we're going to continue the conversation of how to cultivate the peace and hope of Christ in our lives. So good morning, Brian. Good morning. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing fine. I'm so doing fine. You've had a busy couple of weeks with uh, yep. different meets and things of that nature. and A lot of snow involved in all that, planes being canceled and driving, and then get back here to this nice, beautiful eight inches of wet snow this I know. morning. <laughs> Well, it was so funny, you know, just a week ago we had another snowstorm and unfortunately there were some accidents because, you know, people kind of forget how to drive in it and yep. stuff like that. But yep. yeah, and then it, what, it got up to 65 degrees over the weekend and now it's snow again. Yeah. So welcome to South Dakota. <laughs> welcome to the roller coaster that is South Dakota. Absolutely. But today we're going to continue part two of cultivating peace. Um, as we talk about, you know, being a Christian and living in uh, a society sometimes that is very hostile toward Christianity, or at least growing and, and heading in that direction. Uh, how do we, how do we kind of just really foster uh, the peace of Christ? I mean, it's it's easy to get distracted by things that we could worry about, whether it's oh, yeah. you know who we did or didn't vote for, or or something like that, or even you know, um, I think about my parents uh, during that time of like eighteen twenty four, like my rebellious time, and all the years my mom you know, prayed for me, you know, for Christ to kind of recapture my heart. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, and so regardless of where you're at, I think there's some really practical things that we can do. And last week we looked at uh, Psalm 34. We talked a little bit about the background of that, where King David was being unjustly chased by Saul. Um, and, you know, I can't imagine what that would have been like. But I just, I love the background of that Psalm and how powerful it was, and as we cry out to the Lord, that the Lord hears us. And so there's an aspect of praising God, understanding right. that that God hears us and that we're never alone, that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And so we kind of pick it up with some practical advice that Paul gives. And we're going to, again, uh, give the background to this because I think, again, it, it's really powerful. So we're in Philippians, and we're going to be in chapter 4, verses um, 4 through 9. And so if I could get you to read that section of Scripture for us, and then what we're going to do is we're going to go back and look at the first time that the Apostle Paul was in Philippi. And I think it's really easy to sometimes not, you know, we can think that the Apostle Paul's life was all, you know, a bed of roses, but it wasn't, you know, especially if we read through, you know, the book of Acts and we start to understand what exactly he went through for the sake of the gospel. Right. And uh, it's pretty extraordinary, but it brings power to these verses. So if you could read Philippians 4, 4 through 9, and then we'll jump over to Acts chapter 16. Sure. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God will surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worth 
worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. And so there's kind of like three steps and then like a maintenance thing that he kind of gives us, you know, and and it begins by rejoicing, very similar to Psalm 34. Um, And then, you know, that beautiful exchange as we bring our, our anxieties to the Lord, that beautiful exchange where he exchanges our worry, our anxiety for his peace, grace, and mercy. And we let him do that and we accept it. You know, we do this with thankfulness in our hearts. And then there's an aspect of kind of um, really taking captive our thoughts afterward. You know, think about these things. But let's go back to Acts chapter 16, the first time Paul was in in Philippi. Paul and Silas were in there. And I don't know if you remember the story, but I I kind of, I love the story because it's it's funny, but it's tragic kind of at the same time. So. So what was funny about it was there was this slave girl, which that's tragic, you know, but it was someone who was uh, possessed by a demon. This woman mm-hmm. was was possessed by a demon, and the people who owned her, the two men that owned her, um, that was part of their trade, and they were in Philippi. So Paul and Silas were walking around, and all of a sudden this, this girl is following them around, Paul and Silas, mm-hmm. and saying, we know who these men are. They're servants of the Most High. They've come to proclaim the way of Christ, you know. And Paul, you know, after so many days of that, I mean, you know, you've had, you've got kids and when they were young, it's like, dad, when are we going to do this? When are we going to do this? Are we, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? Yeah. And finally, Paul says, and Paul being greatly annoyed, <laughs> turns around and says, come out of her in the name of Jesus Christ. And she's delivered. Well, okay. So the two owners are like, hey, we just lost our livelihood. Oh. So they brought Paul and Silas between the magistrates. They stripped them naked and beat them publicly. And then they were thrown in jail. Wow. So that's their first time in Philippi. Not real exciting, not something that you and I would want to do. But what I love about this is as it continues, it says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas began to praise. And that's the power. And so as Paul prescribes this, and and as he says at verse 9, which you have learned and seen in me, practice these things. Right. As he's writing back to this church where the first time he was there, he was unjustly stripped and beaten for just d- delivering someone out of the hands of Satan. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so what an amazing thing. But what's even more remarkable about this, that as Paul and Silas were put into prison, they were praising God and all of the prisoners were listening to them. And the jailer was charged, don't lose these guys. So they put him in the most secure place in the center of the prison. Right. Well, and then we know the rest of the story. And at midnight, the earth shook, right. and all the prison's doors were open, all the shackles were loosed, and then the jailer, knowing, not really knowing what was going on, but knowing that he would be tortured for losing these prisoners, takes his sword out, and he's about to kill himself. And Paul's like, stop, we're still here. So in the midst of all of this injustice, in the midst of, of, of Paul unjustly being humiliated and beaten, he has the trust in Christ, praise God. And because of his example, the jailer and his entire family were baptized into Christ that night. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? We, the, the little trials and things we go through and we don't even realize, and I, I always tell my athletes, uh, cause someone asked, you know, I, I can't be a, a blessing to Christ because, you know, I don't win. I just said, you don't have to win to bring glory to Christ. People are watching you all the time. They're watching how you handle defeat. Mm -hmm. They're watching us how we handle trials. They're watching us how we handle COVID. Yes. They're watching all these things. And 
if we're the type of Christian or follower of a Christ that just gets down on ourselves, and and I know we all do sometimes, yeah, but we just live in in the mud, yeah. We can't glorify Christ. I mean, we can't bring glory to Christ at all. No, it's really tough to, to do that when we're, you know, when we're down or we allow these things of life to get to us because the the ultimate reality is is we have a an incredibly you know, reality beyond this world. You know what I mean? Right. We have the gift of, of, of eternal life, the inheritance that Christ has won for us, the victory through his life, death, and resurrection. And we kind of get this myopic, oh, oh, it's all about me, mm-hmm. you know, kind of center. And we're, it's like if something unjust does happen to us, for some reason we're surprised. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I know that we mentioned this last episode, but Peter is a great reminder. First Peter, he's like, you know, we shouldn't be surprised by these things happening to us, like something strange were happening. This is part of living in a sinful and unjust world. Absolutely. And it's not a matter of will injustice meet you. It's like when and how much. Right. And how are we going to react and respond to that? You yeah. know what I mean? Now, I normally, and I, and I differentiate the term react and respond just for myself. So react is my emotional, like, Oh, I'm going to throw the toddler pity party, you right, know, right. you know, oh, why me? I can't believe this is happening, you know? <laughs> and so that's, that's how I react in my sinful nature, in my emotions. But if I respond, I'm like, wait a minute, I, I look at what Paul did. I mean, I never experienced anything like what he went through. I never experienced a, a public humiliation of being stripped and beaten for, for something that really wasn't wrong. Right. right. You know, and as he was unjustly accused, and it's, and what's neat about that story is as he goes down, uh, he says, hey, uh, the, the magistrates wanted to let him go because they found out he was a Roman citizen. He's right. like, oh, no, they're going to come and do it themselves. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I, I, I tell you, I I have been wrongly accused of things before mm-hmm. in the past, and it is a it can send you down a dark, dark path yeah. because you just don't understand. And even and even when you do get around to praying, you're like, why, why, why is this happening to me? And it's just, it does turn into a little pity party for ourselves. It can, yeah. and and nobody wants to be around that. I mean, there, no. there's not any other Christian or or non Christian that even wants to be around that. Yeah. Well, if that's what Christianity is, I I don't want any part of it. No, you know? I, yeah. And so there's a selflessness that Christ is asking us to embrace. It's part of that statement in Mark chapter eight: "Take up your cross and follow me," which goes against our Absolutely. nature. Oh. Well, not mine. How about you? No, <laughs> no, it goes against my very nature. And that's why I love this story, because if you read verses, you know, in Acts 16, verse 29, you know, and the jailer called for the lights. This is after the earthquake. All the bonds were loosed. Paul already cried out, don't harm yourself. We're here. We're all here. And so the jailer called for the lights. They rushed in and trembling, he fell before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Wow. So their example ministered to this man who was from a different country, a different different set of religious beliefs, and his entire family was saved in Christ Jesus because Paul and Silas chose to praise God in the midst of injustice. And that was just, that happened because of their example. Exactly. Not because they went and, and pounded it into this guy's head, you have to do this, do this, do this. It was by their example. And that's why I oftentimes say we are to proclaim the excellencies of Christ with and without words to all people that we come across. So there's always an opportunity. And I know that it's hard sometimes. I'm not saying that there aren't bad days. I mean, I have. I have them where, you know, you just like, I just need to do some self-care here. I need to spend some time with the Lord. I need to kind of recoup and get ready. And so there's an aspect of personal maintenance that 
that we probably don't talk about as Christians very much, but Mm -hmm. that's important. You know, seek first the kingdom of God. How many times did Jesus, in his emptied, incarnate state, spend time with the Father alone? You know, we see that in Scripture. So Jesus needed it. We need it, too. So we're not saying that. And we're certainly not saying, don't put on this fake, pretentious act, where you just pretend everything's okay when, when things aren't. Right. But there's an aspect, if we deal with those things in a healthy way, if we deal with our sin, you know, embracing a life of, rep- of confession and repentance toward a salvation without regret, and we do all of those things in a way that glorifies Christ, it is amazing how our life can preach the gospel just because we have joy. The joy of the Lord is our, our strength. We walk in these prescribed ways of Philippians 4. We rejoice always. Right. Again, I say rejoice. And that word always means always. Let your reasonableness be known. I don't always do that. No, absolutely. There's times my my unreasonable nature rears its ugly head. And um, yeah, it, you know, it happens from time to time. But these are the steps that God gives us in his, in his word. It's like, okay, this is what Paul did. And Lord, help me to do this. Help right. me to rejoice. Start to praise God. Get your eyes off of yourself and onto the great God that, t- that saved you. Do not be anxious about anything. And can I tell you what that word anything means in the Greek? It's uh, if you break it down into two parts, any and then thing. Yeah. I think you put anything. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> exactly. Great, great exegesis. Yep. Great exegesis. <laughs> Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. And that's the trick. That's where the rubber hits the road there. Yep. In everything. Let your, re- your prayers and your requests be made known to God. And so prayer and supplication, the word supplication just means urgent requests, like things that are maybe life and death or things, maybe someone just went into the hospital or some, right. something of that nature. It's those urgent requests or someone who walked away from the faith. To me, that's an urgent request, right. you know. And then, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So there's an aspect where we need to give this to Christ and accept his peace and then maintain that. Right. Now, would this actually be a a guide to how we should even pray? People say we don't know how to pray. Mm-hmm. First, you, you praise and you honor mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah. And then you go to him with your urgent needs yep. and things like that. It just kind of follows along through that, correct? I, I agree. Yes, absolutely. It's a wonderful practical tool. Um, but the, the ending is really the hardest part is receiving the grace and what I call not going and digging in the garbage again. Right. You know, I had a, um, a, a wonderful woman come up to me and say, how do you give something to God and not worry about it again? And I said, you, you kind of have to remind yourself and if there's a maintenance aspect. And I really believe that's what Paul means in verse eight. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure. So, okay, let's look at that long list that Paul uses in verse eight there. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's, what's true? Jesus won the victory. Right. Remember, this world is not my home. Um, this is as bad as, as it's going to get for me. And I'm not saying that it isn't bad for some people. It is. Right. But for the believer in Christ Jesus, this is as bad as it gets. And there's, it only gets up from, it only goes up from here because we have the promise of eternal life in a place with no more pain, no more sin, no more alienation, a place where death is no more. Right. What, el- what else is true? Jesus is on his throne as he's, he's made provision for my difficulties in life. You know? Right. Um, this is an op- number four. This is an opportunity. What's pure? What's pure about the injustice I just experienced? What was pure about Paul's injustice? He had an opportunity to minister the gospel of Christ in a selfless, um, God-honoring way. 
It's like counted all joy, my brothers, when yeah. various trials happen. That verse like, just convicts stuff. me. It is. It is. But it, when we start to really think about the promises that we have in Christ Jesus as compared to the temporary things of this world, they don't compare. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think that's part of the, the problem is we we forget that this is temporary. We forget that this is not this is not our home. This is not where we're going to be. And it's so easy. Satan is so good at distracting us and taking our attention off of Christ. Well, this is important right now. My kids are, you know, what I, they got to get to soccer. They got to get to this. And it's all about that. And then we, we get in these little battles every single day over things that really, I mean, they're, they're important, but, but in the scheme of, scheme of things, no, <laughs> they, they, they have no place there, so, but we get so let's read that. The, the book screw tape letters. I just, mm. it's just amazing that, I mean, I'm looking at a shed right now outside your house. Satan could use that shed to take my mind off of Christ. Mm. And, and some way, somehow, he could use that. Yeah. I, I haven't found anything that he can't use. I know, because he's good at what he does. Yeah. I mean, he's done it for a long time. And, you know, if we look through the, even the temptation of Christ, I think oftentimes, and I, I have this conviction, this is my conviction, uh, I think the devil knows Scripture, you know, better than oh. most clergy. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of times he'll use these things. It's like, well, you're not a good Christian. Look at you, man. You're not being selfless. You're not loving your neighbor as yourself. Right. And, and it's it's easy for us to allow, you know, the word of God to become this, you know, hammer that guilts and shames us in, into a place of, you know, we become stalled in our faith or in our life. But that's never the purpose of Scripture. You know, there's, there is a purpose of Scripture where the law convicts us and causes us to grow spiritually, but the one thing that, that is clear in Scripture is that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Right. For those who are in Christ, there's therefore now no condemnation. We have peace with God because He has justified us, and on and on and on and on. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For this light right. momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory. On and on and on. All of those promises about the assurance of faith, and that's what we need to remind ourselves of. But when we are in the midst of this world, we kind of like only grasp onto what we see. Absolutely. The tangible, and I, where this definition of faith is so powerful. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the convictions of things not seen. Well, we don't often act like we're no. assured. <laughs> and that's why whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is just, whatever is pure, that's why Paul gives that prescribed um, course of action to control our thought life and to, to kind of focus our attention. And I know that some people could say, well, you're talking about self-help stuff here. Well, the Bible is full of practical ways right. to seek first the kingdom of God. And I believe that this is one of them. And I think a lot of times when we let our minds wander toward the negative, especially, you know, trying to like play the movie of something that hasn't happened yet, I'm horrible at this. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I, my mind jumps to the worst case scenario and my, my, I roll all of these different scenarios. And I, I remember the other day stopping myself going, what are you doing? <laughs> How much energy have you just wasted on something you can't control? And what if you applied that same energy to praying? Oh, my gosh. I mean, just think about, I mean, everybody listening can can apply this to their life. Think about the last election. Mm. Think about all the times you spent watching news, reading this, read. I mean, I, I'm not a big reader. I, I just don't. I read so many articles about the election and this and that and that. How many times did I open my Bible and read the Bible? 
Yeah. And I think the thing we need to remind us ourselves too is we want justice and we're not going to get it here. Nope. I mean, it will happen from time to time. Yep. But the true justice is in Christ, and it will happen at a second coming. And the hardest thing for us, it's amazing. I remember my wife's going, this person always gets away with this. They're never held accountable for this. And it's hard for us to, yeah, that's exactly. that's going to be the case sometimes. But it won't be the case for no, always. No, they aren't getting away with anything. No. You know, absolutely um, You know, for those who repent and turn to Christ, of course, you know, and and that's where we have to just be gracious about those things. But the, sometimes we get so focused on things we can control outside yep. that we miss the opportunities that are right in front of us of other people who have experienced injustice, other people who are hurting that need our attention. And that's what Paul did. Yep. Here's this jailer who was terrified of being tortured because he lost his prisoners. And Paul's like, wait, we, we, we're still here. I mean, what an amazing... How many of us would have just been pew, gone? I, I know. I mean, thank you, God. We're out. And Yeah. But we'd have missed that complete opportunity. There. Absolutely. So look for those opportunities. Don't, you know, don't pass up divine appointments. It's one thing I've been praying for intentionally because I'm not always great at recognizing divine appointments and, and making sure I make time for them. Right. You know, because it's like, oh, I got stuff to do. I can't do this now. Well, Lord, do you want me to? You know, (laughs) this person's here now. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so we've got to be ready for those things. But rejoice, begin with praise, Uh, bring your anxieties and all of your concerns to God. Uh, When you give them to God, don't take them back. Receive Christ's peace, allow it to guard your heart and mind, and remind yourself of the great promise of eternal life and the victory that you have in Christ Jesus. And then look at Paul's example in Acts chapter 16 to encourage you to embrace this life of selflessness, proclaiming Christ and taking up our cross and following Jesus. Big task. It is. Big task. It is. It's never going to be done, but it is a worthy, worthy pursuit. Absolutely. And of course, we do all of this in Christ's righteousness, and we do this all because of the Holy Spirit working through us according to the Word of God. And not for our glory, but for His. Amen. May His will be done. Thanks for joining us. Please invite a friend to join us next week as Pastor Brian and myself talk about patristic tradition and the church. Also, check us out on Facebook. Until next week, may God bless.